Before you use AI to transform your agency, you need to begin with trust. Introducing Watson X Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com federal. IBM. Let's create. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. And here we go. Welcome into the second podcast on the Believe Podcast Network of Believe in Ole Miss football. I'm your host, Brad Logan, and thank you very much for being part of our very second uh, episode. And we had a ton of feedback on the first one, and uh, we could not be uh, more grateful for everyone reaching out. And uh, it was a lot of fun, and we're excited about uh, what we've got going forward. A reminder, if you're listening on the website, this is available for download. It's pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, along with Google Play. And, of course, the Apple Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and all those good places. So, had a great uh, first episode. We kind of looked at some of the practices. Uh, I will tell you, this past Saturday, we had a chance to uh, view just a couple of practices. Uh, Coach Lane Kiffin and his staff uh, have shut things down to just a couple of periods a, uh, a day uh, when you get a chance to see practice. So, that's pretty much all the live scrimmages. And the best we can do is kind of report what head coach Lane Kiffin had to say uh, following practices and also uh, kind of what we saw in those very early periods. A lot of black jerseys. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, that just simply means that Hoover's wearing that black jersey is limited. That's all that means. And the good news is uh, someone asked in the press conference about injuries. And, of course, Lane Kiffin uh, has been pretty adamant that he will not discuss injuries, although he did say, the, the people that are injured are not uh, of the season-ending variety, which is good because uh, there have been a couple of players uh, missing from practice, one being John Rice Plumley, the slot back, uh, and also Orlando Umana, uh, the starting center, the transfer from Utah, has been missing from practice. So that is good news that uh, Ole Miss uh, does not have any significant injuries, at least that's what we think so far. So thankful once again. Uh, please, if you have a chance, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, we're very grateful to, to be a part of your podcast family. You want to be sure and follow that uh, at BLEAV Podcast. That's at BLEAV Podcast Network. That is their network where they have a ton of different podcasts, anywhere from movies to sports uh, to everything in between. So the Believe Podcast Network, 
it's been a great partnership so far. Excited today, you'll hear uh, we'll hear from uh, Evie Van Pelt. She is the uh, managing editor of the Rebel Walk. They've been around for a couple of years, uh, and actually, we were together. I guess in the very first scrimmage, whenever we were able to see uh, on media day, and there was a lot to unpack. So we'll talk a lot about uh, what we were able to see in the scrimmage, and also what we've been able to see at practice over the last couple of weeks. So uh, we'll visit with her. And be sure and follow the Rebel Walk is at the Rebel Walk. Uh, they do a great job covering Ole Miss sports. Once again, thank you very much for subscribing uh, to the podcast. Uh, the, the goal is to drop every Tuesday, early Tuesday, so you have a chance to listen on your commute. And just to be in the same breath as some of the great Ole Miss podcasts that are out there. I, I think of, you know, David Johnson is a dear friend. And anytime I have a chance to visit with him, that's always uh, something that I definitely do not take for granted. David, of course, is a great story because of everything that's going on with the country, uh, with, with COVID and that sort of thing. They kind of had a rough go of it and what he was able to fight through. And we didn't know if he was going to make it. And so he's here with us, and I definitely don't take our conversations for granted. And he's joining Ben Garrett uh, of 247 Sports and the Ole Miss Spirit on the Talk of Champions podcast. It's a great Ole Miss podcast. I encourage all of you to listen. And that's the thing about it. I think there is a, a nice spot for everyone. You can't get enough Ole Miss sports, so we're just happy to be mentioned uh, in the same breath as some of those people. You look at someone like the Neil McCready and Chase Parham and the Oxford Exxon podcast, they kind of – were the the stalwarts they kind of began uh this podcast world when they started a podcast years and years ago and now it's a bustling business for them so man congratulations they also have a great podcast and there are many many more but frankly our business model has always been what would i like to hear what would i like to know is a fan of, of insert insert your school here in this case it's Ole miss what i would like to know is kind of how the team looks what Am I expecting on the schedule what uh, who the wide receivers are looking good? It, it, my eyes and ears on the ground. So that's kind of hope, what we'd hope to pass along to you. As the season progresses, we hope to have more guests, both in the media and former players. And hopefully uh, we can interview some folks that, uh, that maybe you have a, a suggestion. We ask that you please just shoot us a DM on Twitter. I'm at BradLoganCOTE or Brad.Logan at LoganMediaNetwork.com. And maybe we can reach out to some of those former players. Maybe we could reach out to some of those media members that you have suggestions for. It's always kind of a family effort, and we're so happy you're along for the ride. Be sure and tell a friend, as we're excited to bring you Believe in Ole Miss football. As the 2021 season is just right around the corner, and we'll be in Atlanta in just a couple of weeks to enjoy Ole Miss and Louisville. Until then, we'll try to do our best to get you updates from fall camp. Let's take a time out. We'll be back with Evie Van Pelt right after this on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a part of the Believe Podcast Network. It is a place which exerts an extraordinary pull on all who have walked its hallowed ground. Thousands come each year, and yet no one ever really leaves. Ole Miss is for life. A major university with the familiar intimacy of family. Friendships that are more than friendships. Moments that are more than moments. An autumn celebration on a Saturday afternoon in the Grove. Contests waged and triumphs savored. With our largest freshman class, soaring honors college, national reputation for academics and research, our pride is overflowing. Today, more than ever, for all who have ever called this magical place home, you never leave Ole Miss.
Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show. Joined now by Evie Van Pelt. Uh, you probably heard that name on Twitter. That's at Ole Miss Evie and also uh, the Rebel Wolf. They do a wonderful job covering Ole Miss. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I was excited to see you out there uh, opening week when I was there. It, it's fun just to maybe get back to a little bit of normalcy. Yeah, and, and normalcy is great, uh, specifically when you get a chance to uh, cover football practice and see it live. You know, we didn't see a ton of games last year. Uh, it, it sure didn't see any practice uh, they pretty much had it all closed down. And now to be able to see practice and, you know, we were able to see, what, a couple of periods on Saturday, nothing earth-shattering. Um, there are a number of players that have some bumps and bruises, uh, but Lane Kiffin has said that uh, nothing is season-ending. So that's that's good news. But, you know, you and I were out there. We saw a lot, and I think it all kind of begins with what do we think about Matt Corral and so far between you and I and everyone else. Head coach Lane Kiffin, he's been really good. Man, he has been amazing. You're right. Um, I'm, uh, we were, we were all over, uh, you know, we have a QB film room is what we call our little articles we put out about Corral on our site. And all last year, I mean, even with a, you know, a couple of the games people always want to point to where he, where he had a number of interceptions, uh, the kid, there's just no debating his talent. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him play this year. And as you say, I mean, my goodness, he has looked lights out in camp thus far. Yeah, and, and you heard Lane Kiffin in the press conference the other day use the word insane. And <laughs> and, and that's that just kind of goes to what we've seen personally and also what we've heard from inside the program, that the accuracy has been really good. It really does. And you know, You've, you've covered Lane Kiffin now uh, as long as I have, and he doesn't throw superlatives around like that. I mean, he doesn't gush really you know, over over anybody. I mean, so to hear him, uh, you know, use the word insane and then to say he's, you know, it's like a video game. He's just pressing the button and, and there's, you know, there's the ball. And so that's pretty high praise from a guy who, one, knows, knows quarterback talent and, two, doesn't really throw it around idly the rebel walk is the website at it's at the rebel walk on twitter and uh the rebelwalk.com online um you did a piece or your you know the website did a piece on todd mcshay's draft board can you kind of go into for those listening i'm sure a lot of people have already seen that todd mcshay did not include matt corral in his draft board kind of go into if you don't mind about kind of what happened there and and essentially what he was thinking or not thinking about Matt Corral. Yeah, you know, that that's still a tough one for me. I don't really understand that. He put out um, his top 50 preseason prospects, 
And so, I mean, again, for the 2022 NFL draft, and again, think about that, the top 50, you know, we're not saying the top 20 or the top five or the top whatever. And Matt Corral was nowhere on his list. And, um, you know, he had some, I think, uh, Spencer Rattler, uh, Oklahoma's quarterback is one and Sam Howell, North Carolina, where so long ago is, uh, incidentally is number two. I want to say maybe he had six quarterbacks on the list. If I'm correct, I'd have to, I'd have to go back and check that. The Liberty quarterback, Malik Willis, who's number seven. I mean, he's a great, he's a great quarterback, but again, to not have Matt Corral anywhere on that list of top 50 is quite quite interesting to me and I know you probably I've gone on about it uh, enough but Matt Corral if you look I look a lot and, and my people look a lot at ESPN's total PBR rankings just because it's a really good way to analyze not just the quarterback and how many you know passes he made or how many how many interceptions he had but it takes into the whole picture into account even the level of the competition you're playing and Matt Corral is the number one of, of the quarterbacks that are returning this year, he has the top total QBR, and it's a really good uh, measurement. And so, to me, it's just mind-boggling that he doesn't have it on there. But I'm sure you saw where Lane Kiffin quote-tweeted McShay's article and pointed it, you know, at Matt Corral. So I thought that was kind of entertaining, you know, like, looky here, Matt. <laughs> yeah, that was my next question. You think it's made it inside the, the Manning Center, and obviously it has <laughs> if – Lane Kiffin's already got a hold of it. You know, looking at Matt Corral and, I mean, gosh, Chris Doring with the SEC Network along with um, Peter Burns just the other day uh, put their top 11 on offense and top 11 on defense. For Ole Miss, Matt Corral was the number one quarterback in the conference and uh, Otis Reese was the number one uh, defensive player. What is he, a free, strong safety corner? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I think it's strong safety. Safety, yes. Yeah. In any event, he had him as number one at the position. I thought that was pretty. That's pretty high praise for uh, Chris Doring, of course. Otis Reese. What mm-hmm. if he played three games last year before being cleared? Thanks to the NCAA. Yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think he played three games. He played mm-hmm. well. Uh, made a difference and was big in the Outback Bowl. So he's had that spring practice, and I think there are a lot. Of course, the Georgia transfer. Everybody's excited to see what he can do this fall. And in fact, uh, Matt Stitchcomb made the comment that Matt Corral would be the number one quarterback coming back. The point I'm trying to make is all of these analysts, Cole Kublik, others have lauded about how how they're excited to see Matt Corral, yet you know we see this NFL draft board. It's almost like he just forgot to list him. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested it, to see you know what the really, rationale is. Right. It really is. And I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't seen him make any comments on it. It would be interesting to, to get a hold of him. And, I, I mean, again, I'd just be curious. I mean, again – Number 19, he's got Cincinnati QB Desmond Ritter. I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a good quarterback, but he's not, he's not better than, than Matt Corral. 31 is Carson Strong of Nevada. I mean, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to knock any player. I mean, I'm sure they're, they're fine. I just find it hard to believe that Corral isn't on that way. Yeah, we, so. we'll stop there. I mean, we could talk all day about how ridiculous that is. At least <laughs> I think it is. But, you know, we'll go forward. I'll say this. Nothing really bothers me with preseason polls. Uh, I don't right. I don't put a lot of stock into those. But, if honestly, if you're paying a guy, a draft analyst, you expect to have some validity to that, whether it be McShay, 
uh, whether it be uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. So I do put stock into those polls, or I don't know if it's a poll, it's a ranking system or whatever. So I could understand, you know, that, that means something to me. The AP and the all these random polls people put out, top five offensive linemen, whatever. Right. But you would think that the analysts for, you know, that do the NFL draft would have a little more, you know, validity than that. Anyway, right. if anything, it's a, I guess you could say, it gives Corral a little bit of, a, I don't know, a bird in a saddle, so to speak. <laughs> uh, yeah. But going forward from there, we've seen Kincaid Dent throw the ball pretty well. I'll be honest with you. I really like Luke Altmaier. He's a little dinged up right now, but nothing nothing tough, uh, nothing that's uh, season any of any stretch. But he had a black jersey on Saturday. I like him a lot, and you saw him throw the football, and it feels like he's grasping this offense really well. It does for me, too. Um, I was really excited when Luke, uh, Luke committed to Ole Miss. He's from Starkville. I'm sure folks know that. But I uh, was really excited about that. I had a chance to interview his mom and dad and his uncle. Um, we did an article on it. I don't know how many people know, but Showboat Boykin, who scored, uh, you know, what, seven touchdowns against Mississippi State back in the day in the Egg Bowl uh, for Ole Miss is is Luke's relative. Um, his his mom and uh, is a Boykin, so um, that was uh, that was fun to find out that he's got such a such a deep Ole Miss heritage. But I'm with you. I think he looks really good, and um, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting. I know Kiffin said at um, yesterday's press conference, I believe it was that you know it's just a really good competition, and maybe no one at this point has taken the reins but I'm like you I don't think many would be surprised if Luke doesn't at some point emerge as number two QB yeah and he made that same comment about special teams uh, but you know, I had a chance to watch Caden Costa uh, he's got a cannon he really does Kale Nation is also in the running but you know, during the scrimmage, at least the one we were able to see a week from Saturday, uh, Costa was the number one kicker. So he's actually came out and said that uh, it's still kind of a battle, but he just he intimated the same thing with, with place kicking as well. So uh, the quarterback room is is pretty much Matt Corral's job to lose, or that's not really a way, good way to put it. It's Matt Corral, it's Matt Corral's job, and nobody's <laughs> going to take it over from him. The point I was trying to make, if heaven forbid something happened to him. I mean, I don't know that they'd throw Luke Altmaier in there. I think probably you'd see John Rice Plumley get him through the season. Hopefully, you know, obviously that doesn't happen. But a Plumley, a player that uh, we'll talk about here now, it's, you know, running back slash halfback slash slot back. He's kind of playing it all right now. He's dealing with a hamstring injury right now, but nothing, you know, nothing severe. This running back room's loaded, and it's got Jerrion Ely, Snoop Connor, and Henry Parrish, the top three. And honestly – I love Snoop Connor. I've always been a Snoop Connor fan, but I think there are a lot of people out there. For example, uh, Lane Kiffin tell, uh, told the media that Henry Parrish was coming with him to Florida Atlantic, and as soon as he took the Ole Miss job, he came to Ole Miss. It's a very tight-knit group, and Jerry Ely told the media just the other day, I don't care if I play slot back, quarterback, running back, it doesn't matter. We want to get our playmakers on the field. So this running back room is going to be fun to watch. It really is, and um, I think that, you know, it's funny, lost in all the the hoopla, which is much deserved over Matt Crowell and this offense and everything that they did last year was the fact that Ole Miss did lead the SEC in rushing last season, and it's just so funny because I think that 
that's kind of just a low key thing, you know. Well, people gloss of, over that. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think that they realize that. And so to have four of five starting offensive linemen return and every single running back pretty much, you know, that's a that's a big deal. So I'm with you. I think that Kiffin has just gotta be out of his mind giddy having Ely and Connor and Parrish, as you mentioned. I think Isaiah Willard maybe practice. You know, it looks pretty good in, in the scrimmage, in that first scrimmage. Um, anyway, so I'm with you. It's a real strength of the team. And like you say, being able to plug those guys, kind of plug and play, you know, running back, slot, whatever. I think it's going to be fun to watch because I think, they're, like Kiffin says, he's going to find a lot of different ways to get the playmakers the ball. Yeah, and, and, and about that slot sliding over to the receiving core, Elijah Moore is the name that everyone talks about. In fact, uh, you guys have done a nice job covering him while he's been with the New York Jets. He seems to be a, a fan favorite, signing autographs and kind of running around. And, um, you know, he he's a heck of a receiver. And Ole Miss is going to miss him. But I think to fill that role, John Rice Plumley's done a nice job. I think we'll see Jerry Ely. I think J.J. Henry's a name that people can, can keep in the back of their mind. Uh, I've seen Quay Davis run a lot of the outside receiving routes, but the names we haven't obviously talked about, Braylon Sanders, Ontario Drummond, and, of course, Jonathan Mingo, they've they've all done a great job. But I'll be honest with you, the number one receiver I've seen this year and the, the, the guy that I'm circling on this team is Dennis Jackson. He's, I knew you were going to yeah, say that. He's, yep, he's I made, agree. He's made some circus catches. But I'm going to be honest, I've had a chance to see both Ole Miss and, and other teams throughout the area – uh, play in spring practice I'm, I'm sorry in fall camp and the one thing you'd like to see with wide receivers sure you love to like you love to see the crisp routes you love to see the separation from the defensive backs but the number one thing you love to see is very simple you catch the football and I haven't seen Dennis Jackson drop one ball in the availability I've had of watching practice and I think he's going to be a game changer for this Ole Miss offense I think so, too. It's funny you mentioned that. I think that Ole Miss had a uh, – in fact, I posted it on the Riverwalks Instagram earlier today, uh, a throw from Corral to Dennis Jackson. You know, it, it, I think uh, Jeff Levy or Kiffin or somebody even tweeted it with their score from far, you know, mantra that they like to use. And I'm with you. He stood out to me a lot, too, and he doesn't get – uh, any publicity, you know, understandably, because he hasn't really been a, a, a part of things yet. But number five, watch out for number five, guys. Uh, Summerall, Mississippi native, and uh, really, really nice kid. And you're right. Now that I think about it, if you bring it up, I don't think I've seen him drop a pass either. David Johnson of 247 Sports reports that Jalen Cunningham has moved to defense. I think that tells me that uh, he was beat on the second team and he was going to be buried in the depth chart, and they moved into defense. I guess that's being optimistic, but it feels like with Eli Acker kind of making a jump, it, uh, people like Caleb Warren, the redshirt freshman, uh, making a jump, they couldn't find anywhere for, for Jalen Cunningham. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking, too. Um, we had, a, as you know, Caleb Warren, they made him available for – us interviewing yesterday and and uh, really good really good kid six five three hundred and ten pound kid and very versatile I think that that's what's been uh, you know noticed I think by Kiffin he played um, kind of all over the place taking guard and center reps in fall camp um, just in case he's needed but yeah I think that probably that was a good move for Cunningham. So. Moving Ben Brown over to guard, that frees up the center 
position. Um, and then, of course, Jeremy James, Nick Broker, two names that uh, that have been stalwarts in this offense. How important is it to have a Ben Brown, a Nick Broker, leaders in that offense along with uh, Jeremy James who got some great experience last year? Oh, my goodness. I mean, again, when we say four or five starters returning, uh, an expen- uh, experienced center transfer, Orlando Omana coming in, I think that's really huge with Omana coming in and being able to kind of grasp the offense and the importance of that, you know, speed, speed, speed on the, that, that almost likes to use the tempo game. I think it's really important to be able to have Ben Brown, uh, slide back over to right guard. And then, like you say, Jeremy James at right tackle and Nick Broker at left tackle. And, uh, gosh, you know, I wouldn't want to go into the SEC with any other offensive line group in, in the whole conference. I'm really, really looking forward to big things from those kids. Yeah, and um, I will say this. I did not see uh, Omana. Orlando Omana, am I saying that right? Umana, yeah. Umana. Did not see him uh, dressed out Saturday. Now, we all know you and I both saw him walk off the field the previous Saturday holding uh, holding his arm. Now, I will say this. He did practice the following week. So, um, I'm not sure why he wasn't out there Saturday, but he did practice after we saw him walk off holding that arm. Um, that's right. not that's not a position that Ole Miss needs to have any injuries right now because yeah. I feel like they yeah. have eight uh, solid offensive linemen, specifically with Eli Acker taking such a great step forward. But losing a center, the transfer center from Utah, that they expected to play immediately, uh, I expect that's not something that Lane Kiff is excited about. <laughs> no, and I think from everything that, that my sources are telling me, I mean, Ilana will be will be ready for, for Louisville. I mean, I don't know how much he's doing in between now and then. I think uh, Bryce Ramsey, I think, actually played center in the scrimmage yesterday, right. correct. Um, so I I think that. From from everything I'm hearing, Umana will be will be fine for Louisville. But you're right. I mean, that's not that's not we, we don't want to lose him. <laughs> Glossing over the defense as a whole, I'll say this: Lakia Henry talking about they want to be one of the best defenses in the country. I think uh, one of the defenders that we interviewed the other day, and I forget his name, they want to limit the opponent to 21 points a game. That's very uh, that's that's a high <laughs> watermark for a team that was 114 in defense last year in total defense, and uh, let's just say, for the lack of a better word, was one of the worst defenses in the country. I mean, I right. think as an Ole Miss fan, you like the enthusiasm. Uh, and from an Ole Miss fan standpoint, I think they could be excited that they return uh, nine out of eleven starters. The downside is how good were those nine? We already know that uh, one of uh, those starters has transferred to Kentucky. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts early on with the defense? I mean, I think you could get into semantics with what head coach Lane Kiffin's saying about who's winning and who's losing scrimmages. I don't put a lot of stock into that. I think at the end of the day, you've seen that defense live. I've seen it live. Um, you know, I think I'm just going to wait and give my opinion after I see them against Louisville. Right. I think so. I mean, it, it's hard to know. So many different factors. I think it was A.J. Finley, perhaps, the other day that said that about 21 points, but I'm not positive. Don't hold me to that. But um, I I don't know. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Jacquez Jones, uh, linebacker transfer to Kentucky. Um, I am hearing what – well, I'll answer your question first. I think I'm like you. I think I kind of want to wait and see, but I think a lot of it is – I think our defensive line can be much, much better than it was last year. I think if Eitan and Gordon are, you know, can, can 
be ready to play. And if we can get uh, Taiwan Malone healthy, he's full speed and he can get up to speed. I think that those will be, those will be very, very key parts of the season. I also think it's hard to know when, you know, like you and I said, I mean, Corral has looked outstanding. I mean, Corral at SEC Media Day seemed like a, a guy on a mission to me. I mean, he just flat out said, I didn't, you know, a lot of people ask me, why didn't I go into the draft? He said, just this simple. Mentally, I wasn't ready. And, and he just, you know, I think focus there in that kid, you know, to my point being that, Here's this defense, and it's it, sometimes I just feel like it's hard to judge because the offense has so many weapons and so many playmakers and a very experienced returning SEC quarterback. So you know, it's it's the age old thing: is the offense that good or is the defense you know, weaker? So I'm I'm with you. I think I I think I kind of want to reserve judgment, but there are some some kids that I'm really eager to to see them play. Yeah, and I think that leads into my my next point before we look at the schedule. Uh, and close out today. I think the good news for Ole Miss fans are a couple of names. You haven't seen them yet. Linebacker Chance Campbell, uh, star, safety, All-American, whatever you want to call the dude. I think he's going to be fantastic. Otis Reese, and then a guy that uh, transferred from the Naval Academy, Jacob Springer. And I'll be honest with you, I, you know, we had a chance to, to listen to him in an interview I was very impressed, and I think he's going to lead that secondary. I think he's going to fill a lot of gaps from last year. And uh, I'm excited to see those three players. So the good news is uh, for Ole Miss fans, there's going to be a few new faces on defense, and I think you'll probably like the results. I I agree with you, and I think, again, don't underestimate uh, the power of getting to have a fall camp and a spring – I mean, a spring camp and a fall camp. And, you know, last year, as Kiffin said, even late in the year, they had guys still not really understanding where they were supposed to be out there, whether it's having to tell them where to line up. And so – I think that you're going to see maybe a step forward in, you know, maybe the mental aspect of the game. And I also think that they're recruiting uh, high school transfer, JUCO, whatever, to fill definite areas of need. So I, I think they're on the, definitely on the right track. The spread came out for uh, the Louisville game. Uh, Ole Miss is favored by eight. Eight is actually the number of wins that I think Ole Miss is probably – uh, if I, you know, am I projecting how many they go? I think they go eight and four. I don't know what the over under is for this Ole Miss team. I would put it at eight. Seven I think seven and a half is what Vegas okay. has. Yeah. So <laughs> that, that, that kind of falls into that category that if you go eight, then that's pretty close to where Vegas has it. Yeah. I could say, I could make, I could see the argument for Ole Miss going, you know, seven and five. I think that would be a disappointing season for Ole Miss. Uh, eight or above, I think it's a, it's a win for this fan base. And I think, quite frankly, a lot of people are expecting nine. What, what are you looking at for this team? What are you seeing in, in regards to a schedule standpoint? Uh, real quick, you know, looking at this schedule, if Ole Miss opens 3-0, and I think there's a good chance they can get to eight. That's a beating Louisville, Austin P. and Tulane. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that it's funny. I think the, a lot of the Ole Miss fans I talk to are exactly like what you say, I think, eight and four – I mean, they think we'll win at least eight. And, you know, I mean, honestly, that's a, that's a, I mean, think of where we were just, you know, a year before last, you know, I mean, what, four wins? So, I mean, I think that that eight, eight wins is absolutely doable. Now, you're going to think I'm just a little Pollyanna homer. I think, you know, a few lucky breaks here and there, I think we can win 10 games. I mean, I would not, if, if somebody were to fast forward me to, 
the end of December and say, Evie, wake up, the Rebels won 10 games this year. I, I, I could see that too. So, um, I think, you know, obviously the key, you know, we've got to play Bama and then, uh, A&M and LSU. Now I do think, you know, we've got A&M and LSU in, in Oxford. So any, anything could happen. I mean, bottom line, you know, SEC just never know, but I definitely think eight wins. Uh, I may, I may even lean towards nine. So, you know, it's like you say, if we're, if we're three and oh, when we head into that, uh, Alabama game. You know, I mean, I was talking with Brett Northworthy a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, people just gloss over. I mean, I'm on conference games other than Austin Peay. You know, if you look at Louisville and uh, you look at Tulane um, and, and Liberty, you know, I mean, those just aren't just cakewalks. I mean, I know, you know, Louisville might not be quite as good as they, they have been in the past, but there's still somebody, I mean, I definitely want to, want to see how that game goes and a win will be meaningful to me and yeah and um, i was actually on the same station uh with uh greg and eli of um, Mm -hmm. middays and we talked about that and and, and eli made a good point he said brad you know i'm looking at that stretch from october the 2nd until november the 6th at alabama obviously no need to go very much deeper than that i mean (laughs) there you go uh here's the kicker you got arkansas coming to oxford do we need to go into how Ole Miss struggles to beat Arkansas? I mean, I think that's pretty standard. At Tennessee, I'm not sure Ole Miss has ever played good at Tennessee. I think maybe once in 02-ish when Ole Miss had Eli, <laughs> they played well at Tennessee. You get LSU at home, that's enough said. And then at Auburn, I mean, how many hands do you need to count how many times Ole Miss has played well at Auburn? So, you know, I think there's an argument to be made that one, two, three, four, five games in a row, let me know how that comes out. Because after that, guess who's coming to town? Everybody's family-friendly football coach, Hugh Freeze, is bringing Liberty to town, and they'll bring every (laughs) trick play you can shake a stick at. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that game is going to just be crazy. And uh, like we say, they've got Malik Willis, a quarterback, a transfer uh, from Auburn. I mean, so he's – he knows how the SEC football rolls. So, you know, I think you're right. I hadn't even really thought about it that way. But that month of October, that, that you know, how October goes is going to go a long way toward, you know, telling right. us what happens. Because don't, don't, don't sit around too bad if you beat Liberty because the next week you've got Texas A&M coming yeah. to town. And I think this is okay. the best team Jimbo's ever had um, at, uh, while at I, Texas I, A&M. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, we didn't play them last year because of COVID. So, um, you know, I, I, I just know that being, uh, being over here around Texas and full disclosure, I actually graduated from A&M. So, um, I know A&M fans are quite, quite excited about the team this year. So it'll be, it'll be fun. I mean, I think, you know, I, I put Lane Kiffin up against anybody, though. I really would. So I think it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be fun. You know, I tweeted out just, to, um, I guess, earlier today, was looking at Vegas's over-under, and Ole Miss is at 76-and-a-half. By the way, that's the largest over-under <laughs> in week zero and week one combined. So oh, my God. It's going to be that. an insane offense. Here's the thing. I just think Ole Miss, if you're if – you're, putting a gun to my head, I'm looking at Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Texas A&M are going to be tough. And so if they win the rest of them, which that's not going to be an easy feat, that's 8-4. and four. But knowing Ole Miss, they'll beat Alabama and lose to Arkansas. So, right, uh, right. I mean, 
any anything could anything could happen. And you know, I mean, bringing up Auburn, you know, now we're we're here at what their coach, you know, tested positive for COVID. Their team vaccination rate was not very high. So I don't know. They might be a team to kind of watch to see how that you know plays out through throughout the, the, the season. Yeah. It started. Well, that's it. We kind of went through the the offense and defense and then kind of looked at the schedule. We'll hope uh, that you'll be a a regular contributor here on Believe in Ole Miss. And uh, very much appreciate you joining the program. Be sure and follow uh, Evie on Twitter. That's at Ole Miss, E-V-I-E, and also at TheRebelWalk and TheRebelWalk.com. I know uh, you and I have talked kind of off air about some things you're doing with the website. We won't go into any detail. We will say this. It's going to be an added feature uh, a lot of great things coming uh, from the website for Ole Miss fans to enjoy. Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's just a privilege, and I'm excited to be here, and I would love to be able to hop on with you anytime during the season that you'll have to So that would be wonderful. And, um, yeah, we've got some, some things we're going to be rolling out pretty soon. I'm excited about and uh, just want to grow our Ole Miss Rebel community and um I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And be sure if you're into Facebook, go to facebook.com slash The Rebel Walk. It's a very vibrant Facebook community. Evie Van Peltz joins us here today on the program. Thanks very much. Thank you, Fred. You've been listening to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at BradLoganCOTE and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Facebook, Brad Logan Media. From the vault to the pavilion, to Swayze Field. It's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.